0: Courtney. Mark. <laughs> hey girl, hey. How you doing? Hello. Um doing good. hey, yeah. I am so glad uh that Wait a second, you're paused. Wait, what is going? Okay, there you are. There you are. All right, am now I we're I? good. <laughs> I am so glad <laughs> That you're on that pitch. Uh, We first talked, like, what, a month ago? And now we're on a call now with a placement. So, like, what the hell? You're killing it.
1: So, it was crazy. Like, I actually got my first uh, track. The first track I submitted, it was the first lo-fi song I'd ever created. And I got it pitched and, you know, got it placed. So, I was really excited, like. Amazing. Even before our meeting I <laughs> had it placed.
0: All, all of our all of our lo-fi and ambient clients right now are just like extremely hungry for uh, and the, it's just it's just been such a treat for the whole crew. I'm just so happy. so yeah. um, anyways, so uh, I want to talk about you, your career, everything when we when we chatted, we had a very nice chat when uh, we had our welcome call, talks about music, real estate, everything. And, uh, you know, I just want to kind of talk about like your story in music, your career, everything. Um, where, Firstly, where are you from?
1: So I, I hate and love that question because yeah. I was born in Jacksonville, Florida, but I was raised in South Africa. And then when I was about, I graduated high school in Kingwood, Texas. So I was there for like a year and then uh-huh. moved to North Carolina, then Austin. So I've been in Austin for a very long time. And I guess, Austin that year
0: since like 2007. Um, So I just, I love Texas (laughs) Uh, though. You know, Um, it's it's funny because anytime somebody asks me like where I'm from, I also moved around a lot. So at this point, I just like claim New York because it's, that's easiest, but like, it's also not because like there's, I've lived in other places longer than I've lived in New York. So it's just like the hardest thing. At this point, I'm like almost just claiming Charlotte. It's like, it's such a hard thing, but- you know, in Charlotte, you know, people who are from here are southerner. I am not a southerner. So it's it's a hard thing. It's like,
1: you're always a nomad, right? You're like, uh, I don't yeah. have the accent. So you're not really from here. like
0: <laughs> Right. It's I, I just keep everyone on their toes. I think that's the everybody just thinks I'm an escaped convict. I think that's that's the best move. Anyways, um, so you're in Austin. Uh, what kind of brought you to Austin? I know there's like a really sick music scene, but there's also tech. There's a lot of real estate. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah,
1: Austin is growing so so much. I absolutely love it here. Um, so I I came to Austin because I just love Texas, and I honestly like it's just that kind of people. The people are great right. here. And, um, I am in real estate here. I actually went to school for audio engineering here as well. Oh,
0: nice. So, okay, cool.
1: Yeah, and. I've been singing also in cover bands, um, going, driving around to Houston, to Dallas, even Oklahoma, trying to do different gigs every single weekend, um, doing covers. And I kind of slowed down on that and have been focusing more on recording Um and want to kind of do more behind the scenes rather than having to stay out and do gigs all night long. Like that's just not what I want to do anymore right now. So, uh, when I found that pitch, I was like, this is perfect. I want to do the placement. I spent like the last year and a half or so really just honing on my craft, on my mixing, um, Mm. buying the right plugins, like really just studying it and, um, making sure that I'm, I'm giving
0: stuff that's going to be a quality, uh, placement placement wise (laughs) well you're you're killing it already i want to i want to kind of bring it to the when you were when you were talking about you know going to audio school um what what was yeah because you you moved around a lot um Mm -hmm. also actually we just i just had a call with a new member um awesome dude he's in johannesburg i want to make an intro for you he's a great dude um but we actually have a few people from South Africa um which I love because you know I travel a lot so it's nice like the more countries in that pitch it's it's great but um totally random uh, just side note anyways <laughs> when you um were moving around when when were you kind of like I'm gonna pursue music like I uh, you know, when, when did you arrive in Texas? And then like, also like, when did you start going to audio school? What was kind of the goal behind all of that? And how was it?
1: You know, it's weird. Cause like, like you mentioned being a New Yorkian or whatever you want to call it. And a versus Charlotte. whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Same thing. When I went, I moved to South Africa, there's like 13 different official languages of South Africa. And I moved there the year that Mandela became president. So, wow, like, we went to boarding school, and it was this thing where you know I had all these people had different clicks and stuff because I don't only spoke English. So, right,
0: Afrikaans. There's there's Africans, a lot there, yeah,
1: yeah, like all of that. Like music for me was a way to connect with everybody because everybody was really into mm. um, hip hop scene back then. That was you know Missy Elliott. Like that was when you know everybody was coming up, and um, I was. I remember being in school (laughs) and um, having a a Spice Girls group, like me and my little Spice Girl crew would perform for the kids (laughs) during lunch. I was always that girl in choir. I was always that girl in dance. Music was always a part of me. And my my dad actually at the time, he owned a recording studio there as well. So he worked with a lot of African artists. um, And just being around the studio was always just a part of my life and learning how to play piano, like doing all the things. So when I came here, it just always felt natural to me. I always told myself like, if I don't make it as an artist myself, I at least want to learn how to help somebody else do it, right? So that was the goal when I went to audio school was really to kind of learn it. And it, it, cause it's like a puzzle to me, you know? Mm. Uh, It's like sitting there composing and, and, and learning how to do it the correct way. It's just something that always, I've always been passionate about. Um so when I did it it wasn't because I was like oh I want to be famous <laughs> it was more of a right how can I contribute to the society in some kind of way that's going to also make me happy and really just figure out how to make money off of my passion
0: so Yeah, sums it up. You know, it's 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 funny that you say that. You're like, you know, I I wanted to actually contribute and like be a part of something as opposed to just being famous. It's funny, like the vast majority of people that I know that their entire goal is like to be famous, to make it, whatever. It it. Is firstly, it doesn't happen for them because you can't draw that much energy from an external validation. You know, Mm -hmm. like you have to actually want to do something, be a part of something, be, you know, a part of something that might be a little bit bigger than you and see how you can help. Because if it's always about me, 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 you end up not really fulfilling much. I know so many people who've like moved to LA or New York or Nashville. And they just wanted to make it and it just didn't really pan out because they realized that like no matter where you are, you are there. Like you have to hustle, <laughs> you have to try hard. You you can't be cocky at all. It's just like, how can I contribute? Everybody I know who's gone through that like with that mentality of like, how can I just help and contribute? They've fared phenomenally. And it shows cause you land in a placement the first <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> the first month you're here. And I remember when we when we first talked very genuine person. You're like, how can I actually like be a part of this and contribute? Like what do clients want? Like, okay, I'm going to start off this way. I'm not even expecting anything soon. I just want like a long-term play. Um, and, you know, I-, I just think that's like the mature way to go about the music industry. And it's it's just more and more rare, I feel like. Well,
1: yeah. Thank you. Like, you, you know, it's more about quality over quantity, you know, like, cause even when I pitch or I I literally read the briefs, I listen to what you're looking for and I create it for that. I don't think about the old stuff that I've done. Like people are like, oh, you have all these beats on your, that's great. But I find a lot of times when I'm creating, if I start with something old and try to make it into something that you want, I get completely like writer's block and I can't do it. You know, it's it's yeah. always very important for me to start fresh and actually set an intention and um, for that specific brief rather than trying to, you know, create something out of what I've already created.
0: (laughs) I, I, you know what, I talk about that a lot of like, and I, I, a lot of my friends, you know, some friends get it and some don't. I have friends that are like, like if there's a spectrum of like 1000% artistic, this is for me, it doesn't matter. I don't care if I make money off of it, it's for self-expression. Then on the other side, it's, I'm not attached to this song at all. I just want to make money off of it, it's it's for the audience, it's so they can enjoy it and pay for it, you know? It's it's interesting because a lot of people try to define themselves somewhere on the spectrum of like, I'm either here or I'm there. And ultimately, it, it's not about you, it comes down to the track. It's like, is this track for me or is this track for them? And if you can define that intention, it makes the writing process, the production process so much easier, you know? what? what intentions do you kind of set like when you're about to make something when you're going over the briefs like how do you kind of approach production like do you give your i know some people give themselves like time limits and stuff like how how do you go about it
1: i try to do one week where i'm like i'm gonna compose two tracks and then the next week i'm gonna mix those two tracks right um and for me like I've tried to challenge myself um creating, cause I don't want to be a specific kind of producer. Like I know I'm okay. Now I know I'm good at lo-fi, right? So I'm going to, okay, yeah. I'm going to create one lo-fi track and maybe one world track because world tracks are um clearly needed. Um, yeah. And planning a but, lot of those lately. <laughs> yeah. They're needed. And I feel like there's probably less competition because, you know, a lot of people are like, what, I, they don't even know where to start with that. Yeah. They're hard to
0: do. They're hard to do authentically. And also world is such a, you know, it's interesting. Sorry, I interrupted you, but I just want to talk on the topic of world music. Um, You know, people, you know, again, it kind of comes down to the spectrum. Is this artistic for me or is this commercial for them? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had to, like, I I love music from all over. I've, I've studied a lot of Afro-Cuban music, Bollywood music. I've studied a lot of, you know, uh, traditional, like crazy stuff, but like early 1800s Caribbean music, like there, there's such a wide, uh, array of like incredible music, unfortunately to Western audiences that are licensing music, you know, when, when they think of like, uh, like Egyptian music, It may not be um, (laughs) what actually is hip in Egypt. It's like they're they're thinking of something that would go in a uh, you know what what is that like show that movie like I don't know twenty years ago or something uh, not Aladdin but like there was another one it was like uh, Emperor's New Groove or something you know like yes that's the the prince. Egypt. love of Egypt like that. Yeah. That's what they're thinking of. It, it you know, sometimes it needs right, sometimes it needs to actually be authentic, but a lot of times it just needs to be what people think it is, you know? and mm-hmm. that that's kind of a hard thing so when you look at world music we just lump it all together unfortunately because sometimes people licensing music they're not musicians musicians are like you know us producers us artists we study like we go to you went to audio engineering school like you studied all these different subgenres and what they mean but like you know uh somebody who's licensing for YouTube they may not know uh reggaeton like they they might not know uh some or of or
1: progressions makes specific sounds, or this kind right. of key makes this kind but, of you know. They don't know that. It's thing. like well, it's, so it's like it,
0: yeah, it's like if you look at like music in northern India, like they're <laughs> they they want the the tablas, but they don't want it in you know, 5-4. They don't want it in 15-16. So you have to yeah. do tablas, but in 4-4, four, because four, that's, that's really how it's going to work well in, because their audience, they need to bob their head to it. So that it's always an interesting thing of like how music interplays with other media, because again, even if it's really authentic, how can you shift it for the, for the buyer? And you have to know what yes. who the buyer is. And that's, yes. that's the hard part, you know? So anyways, uh, but you're doing a phenomenal job with all of that. Um, I, I really appreciate you working so hard on this so far. It's, it's been great. So, um, you got to Austin, you're playing a bunch of gigs. Um, how, how is, how is that? Um, I, I, you know, I think it's really important in the music industry to learn when to pivot and just Mm -hmm. in your life, when to pivot, Mm -hmm. you said you were playing a lot of weekend gigs. I did those Mm -hmm. before too. How was it? And what was your breaking point? (laughs) (laughs)
1: So my, I was in a 13 piece cover band. So we had horns. We had, everything was live live, no tracks. So it was fantastic. We were doing private parties, weddings, and I was doing Friday, Saturdays every single weekend, driving back and forth to Dallas. Eventually I got tired of that and I ended up moving to Dallas for a while just to focus on that. And yep. then I just got tired of singing the same song. It's, like yeah, it's a lot. literally for three hours straight, I'm doing Michael Jackson, Prince, Whitney Houston. Yep. Like, and I love all those artists. They're freaking classics. I love them to death, but I'm like, why am I spending this much time investing in in somebody else's music? So I took a step away from that and started to really try to focus on my own projects. And, um, you know, like this weekend, I'm performing at an art gallery here in Austin. That's Um, amazing. Yeah. So just doing little shows here and there that are like, you know, one hour sets and just even though the pay, is, I don't do it for the money, right? You do it because I'm literally, you know, expressing and being right. able to share my gift for an hour, and during, and not like at nine o'clock at night because I'm like <laughs> <laughs> over oh, that. Like I want to be Been home there. by like 9:30, 10 o'clock. Like
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: so yeah, yeah. It's it's just fun for me right now. That's that's what makes it fun is to not necessarily rely on music for the money because I, that was the shift, right? So
0: I. I think I could sum it up. Even it, we might be on the same page here. I think I can even sum up what you said more nuanced. I like touring. I don't want to have to tour. That's the difference. Yes. Is like I like making money from my music. I like doing uh, this kind of gig on my terms, but I don't want to have to do it. It's like we, I'm sure we got like friends who like do cruise gigs. Their first time, mm. they're talking all about it. I'm traveling everywhere. It's amazing. Yes. By the third cruise gig, they're like, I got to get the fuck off this ship, dude. Like, <laughs> you know? Yes, but, I
1: did that. But I 100% agree. Like, what, you're like, oh, it, I, it's, yeah, it it's like monotonous and exhausting, and it takes the fun out of the whole it,
0: point. It becomes a lot, especially like, cause I had um, kind of like regular, like weekly gigs for a while. My background, <laughs> like as, aside from production is drumming. So like went to school, I went, uh, you know, for jazz drumming, went up to Berkeley. And then I ended up getting like way more into production, but I was touring a little bit when I was home. I would play kind of like weekly gigs. It could be like jazz gigs. It could be wedding bands, stuff like that. And if you're lucky, you can find a crew that gets it. You find like somebody who's managing the band who actually has their shit together, um, who is making sure that they get paid up at the end of the night. <laughs> you know, but like, mm-hmm. I mean, I had gigs where I was playing for like three hours, and it was a hundred bucks a person, and. Yeah. It's not. It's not just three hours of playing. You got to drive there. You got to set up. You got to pack up. You get home at four. The next day's fucked because you're exhausted. And it was like I got a hundred so bucks. I can't. Right
1: yeah. I always tell people if you're gonna do an instrument, do not play the drums. <laughs> no, the drums it's have to show the, up
0: first. They have no, to show the up thing first, is, have they, have they gotta show up. For, it's the <laughs> worst. And like, if you know, the idea of like being a drummer, um, you know, everybody like. I remember like when I like, you know, I was like the nerdy Jewish kid, right? So like, you know, when I took up drums, my mom was like, oh, that's what's going to get him a girlfriend, right? (laughs) Let me tell you, playing drums on a gig is the least sexy thing possible because you have to arrive there er like two hours early. So you can't hang out with anybody in the day. And then all the gears fucked up. If you're running the show, the electronics get fucked up. And then you're handling all the logistics. You got to drive everyone. Usually the drummer or like the bassist is in charge of that. And then once the show is over, unless you have like a runner or like a roadie, which nobody does for the first 99% of their career, you got to pack up everything and you can't even talk to anybody after the show. It sucks. And you're really sweaty. It's the worst. Like,
1: <laughs> you're tired. Like You're the most tired out of everybody. It's a, like, It's it is just,
0: not. Yeah. It's, and then you have to also buy a car. Or a truck based off of that, like oh, I had you know a. What Ma- you, like- you know why I bought a <laughs> Mazda three hatchback? Because in the commercial, it had a drum set in the back, and I was like, "This is for me." That's for and men. <laughs> and it, it's just like it's like I don't want a Mazda, you know. <laughs> and I, you know, ten years later, I still got a Ma- a different Mazda. It's like fuck my life. Um, anyways, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like cool, you know. I think a lot of people, and you—you you would probably agree with this. We both know a lot of people who will shit talk a certain way to approach the industry. Like they'll—they'll they'll go in one corner, and they had one gig, or they landed one deal, or whatever, and they know they think that that is the like. There's a couple things to this. They think that that is the only way that that works. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. or they don't give it enough time and then they pivot to something else and then they get there and realize it's also a lot of work i think the big lesson is no matter what you know the music industry it's just a lot of work like it's it's okay it's just what kind of work do you enjoy doing a lot of you know that's that's what people don't want to realize like music licensing and sync it's a it's a Awesome. there's so much money in it but like you still have to make music like you have to sit down in the studio do you know actually do it if you enjoy that amazing if you only like playing live and you hate being in the studio don't do sync like <laughs> because you're not gonna <laughs> you know i i one of my friends he's like a, a touring uh he's He plays like a bunch of cruise gigs, doesn't know how to record himself or anything. He's like, should I get in the sync? And I was like, fuck no. You are like, you don't even understand GarageBand, bro. Like, and you have no internet. You can't upload anything. Like, don't.
1: (laughs) That was a big thing for me when I thought about doing, because I was almost going to do a cruise gig. I was like, man, like, how do I bring my recording stuff with me? Like, because that was more important to me. Like, how do I keep
0: creating and keep
1: writing on a
0: cruise ship. Right. It's, it's like a, <laughs> what did you, wait, did you do any cruise ships or kind of, you just like hear about it?
1: I didn't end up going. No, it turned out to be yeah, a blessing really.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it sounds lovely, but like you're playing like five or 10 gigs a day for like a, you know, a couple of weeks, it's exhausting. That
1: sounds, I don't want to stand up that long. No, like, I don't want not. to stand up that long. I want to, I've, I've always told myself, I'm never going to have another job where I have to literally yep. stand
0: up and run around
1: the entire time.
0: I'm not doing it. Yes. <laughs> it's not the move. So, I mean, <laughs> s- speaking of being absolutely exhausted, you <laughs> ended up uh, pivoting. And now, in addition to think a lot of studio work, you're also in real estate, too. And I remember yeah. we. We first talked. There's a huge comparison that I don't think enough people make between your music catalog, your music portfolio, and a real estate portfolio. Mm-hmm. I I joke that that pitch is basically just the property management company. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> but so when when did you when did you get into real estate? You know, uh, you kind of had like a breaking point with live stuff, and you're like, all right, let me see what other things I can do. You know what what was kind of the the shift and. How has that been and uh work life balance with that and music and everything?
1: So with real estate it's it's also part of my lifestyle so to speak. My yep. uh my parents are realtors. Um so awesome. I was always going up and down the street handing out flyers. <laughs> for yeah. was in high school. Uh, marketing for them and then my mom's also an investor so she's always been able to find good deals and deal with something so it's something i was always into um but it kind of it helped me because i started with because i was doing at the time weekend gigs but i was also had my mm-hmm. real estate license so i was at the time doing apartment locating because i was like okay let me post ads here and there yeah. find people's apartments
0: a, and kind of get a commission yes. for each one you place yeah yeah that's and, great yeah
1: yeah yeah Um, and then for a while I took some time off and then found this company that allows me to be able to do both where I'm, you know, they pay me salary and I still be, um, being able to kind of cultivate my own clientele and still work their leads too. So, um, it's, it's been good to be able to balance the two it's for a while. They're like, why don't you, why don't you actually step into the actual realtor goal? And I didn't do it for a while because I was like, you're going to require a lot more of my time and my time is more important to me than working for somebody else right like i'm gonna
0: if i'm gonna have a mental breakdown it's gonna be on my time
1: (laughs) right it's gonna be doing something that i want to
0: (laughs) do thug thug life chose us courtney
1: yeah you know what i am saying, like yeah but anyway i finally stepped into the role and um i've been killing it and loving it because i've been able to create that balance and you know, of That's great. having the time for me because I found that if I don't put it on my calendar, it doesn't exist. Like yeah. I don't set, well, that... and I have to go. Okay, from this time to this time, I'm creating. You know, yep, like, nothing else man. Yeah,
0: I I try to kind of look at my entire life as just a series of appointments at this yeah. point. I, I don't even <laughs> say like I'm booked or it's on my schedule. It's just like, oh, I have an appointment. Even if it's like a meeting or something or like I, it's like working Work it out or- Working it out, it's exactly. Like I, I, I have an appointment because if I treat it like I have to go to the fucking doctor's office, I'm gonna go. But if it's like, oh, I'm gonna lug around weights and punch a bag for an hour, that sounds exhausting. It's it's 7 a.m., you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> but I have an yeah. appointment. I have a health appointment. It's like, it's just, it's a better way to look at it. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people look at At being self employed, specifically in music, and they're like, you know, is it hard? You know, what is it different? Like, how is it different than having nine to five? And everybody always says, like, you know, is which way is better, working for someone else or working for yourself? The way that I just look at it is like, either way, it's gonna be tough. The difference though is that if I'm gonna cry today, It's on my own time. It's not somebody else's. They didn't cause me to have a bad day. I can actually fix all this myself. You know? Correct. Either way, it's a lot of work. It's Um, also,
1: it's the mentality, right? Because- Yeah. You know, we think you're entirely
0: our, responsible.
1: Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a responsibility for yourself Yeah. rather than clocking in and out every day to a job nine to five. Like I have to sit here and then I have to have somebody delegate when I can do certain things. Like I have never been that kind of person. Yep. I, it's a mindset when, as soon as I hit that 1099 pace, I was like, okay, that means that I'm showing up for myself today. I'm not showing up yeah. for you. Right, I'm showing up because I want to be here, and that yeah. to me is such a such a pivoting moment in life when somebody gets that go. I'm showing up for
0: me, so you know, I don't know. I yeah. think that's important to it's, always have that mentality. It's funny because you were saying that your parents were realtors and you were handing out flyers. <laughs> My mom was a piano teacher, and so anytime we would move, I would we would be handing out flyers to every single mailbox. We'd like stuff. I think it's actually pretty illegal at this point. It was probably illegal <laughs> then, so but strange. we still did you it, so right? Yeah. It's like, who cares? Like I, I gave advice to somebody recently and I was like, yo, like, if you don't know how to run ads. Just like go to Staples and print like a thousand things. Like it probably costs you like a hundred bucks or like 50 bucks. If you get like three students to sign up. Great. And he was, yeah. and he was like, dude, are you saying I should do a legal shit? I'm like, what do?" you? Chill the fuck out, man. Like, it, you're trying to give people guitar lessons. Like, chill out. Like,
1: <laughs> you're actually
0: giving to society when you think
1: about it. You're letting I've, them know. Every, that, yeah. Go and ahead.
0: the thing is, like, the way to that I view marketing and you probably do this in, in real estate as well. Marketing is only icky if you think you're actually selling something to someone. but if you genuinely mm-hmm. think you can help them by letting them know about what you do, then you're doing a disservice to keep it to yourself. Like for that pitch, I fundamentally pe- think people are morons to not be on that pitch. Cause it's like, this is a massive opportunity. Like when in the, in the music industry, can people get a hundred percent of their licenses? Like that's, there's so much money out there right now. Like you're a moron for not trying it or at least giving it a go, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, because you're stuck in that whole I, old school way
1: of thinking of making money. Yeah. Right? There's
0: you, only one way. I'm like no. Money is is okay as long as it's helping somebody. It's only like bad right. when you're like one of those like asshole like salespeople that doesn't care, <laughs> you know? But, yes. Anyways, um, we talked about really quick, uh, before we actually, before we listen to your track, um, I just wanted to make a quick point of comparison. We talked about it on our first call, um, Mm -hmm. but just so anybody listening, um, music, your music portfolio is very, very similar to a real estate portfolio. You can sell a house, you can sell a song. You can rent it out, you can get it licensed, and you can build the equity in the home. You can build the worth of that home over time if you sit on it. It's no different than collecting royalties. And the way that music publishing and music rights are working, why you hear about, like, you know, people signing a $100 million deal or Justin Timberlake, you know, his rights for $80 million or whatever. In real estate, if you buy a property, right, you buy it like if you buy a commercial real estate property, like a skyscraper, right? What's typical is people buy it for like a 10 or 20X evaluation. So if it's doing like a million a year, you buy it for 20 million or whatever it is, right? Um, It's the same thing in music with royalties. Instead of rent money, you're getting royalties. And so if you're making a lot of royalties and you have a catalog of music, it could be one song, it could be 10,000 songs that you make, They're all bringing in pennies, dollars, tens of dollars, hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars, millions of dollars. It's the same thing. You can get an evaluation and then you can sell the rights to it. There are plenty, plenty, plenty of times where you should absolutely sell the rights to a track. It is the fundamental best reason or best possible scenario in some catalogs. Because if you make that back, you can then reinvest that money into marketing the rest of your catalog. You don't just sell it and sit. You sell it to get upfront cash, and then you can market the rest of your music catalog. And then you just build the work. There are bands out there that just like a real estate portfolio, they build the worth of their music catalog through streams, publishing, whatever. It's all building up royalties. Then they sell it. And then they take that lump sum. They come out with a new album and then they reinvest all of it into marketing that next album. And then they grow 10 times as big. Yeah. You're never going to hear it from them directly because it may not be considered cool or whatever. But I think it's fucking dope. <laughs> like It's so cool.
1: <laughs> yes. I think the problem with a lot of artists is that we get so attached to our music that we're like it, it's hard to because we want to share it right we don't really want to share it like you know what I'm saying well, like not want to give every the, right song is the same yeah right yeah it's your baby you're like you created this but at the same time like i guess you got to think a bigger picture of the bigger picture in that moment yeah ago. and i think okay. also
0: yeah it's like there's two things you know like not every song should be treated the same if you've worked on a record for like the past you know couple years and it's your baby and you love it Okay, like if you're getting emotional fulfillment out of that, you don't have to sell it like that's totally fine. Like there's not and that's why we organize everything in that pitch where if it's something that, you know, you've worked on, it's your personal music, you're singing on it then put it in this catalog because the right the deals for that kind of music are different, you know? But mm-hmm. if it's just tracks lying on your hard drive that you're just cooking up, you shouldn't care if it goes yeah. somewhere and just brings you in some cash. Like if it's just you're just making it for fun, like why not, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, all of the I know I there's plenty of massive artists that have sold their rights. Like I mean, even a baby who's in Charlotte, I talked to this publishing company a couple months ago and they own a couple of his tracks. Like <laughs> It's just they're all real estate it's investments. That's it's business. Yeah. And ju- and and just like in commercial real estate, you don't start with a skyscraper, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like you start with one with one house, you know, and it gradually grows and then you can reinvest and then you just build a portfolio over years and years and that is the music industry. I want everyone to everyone who's independent. I want them to start living in. It shouldn't just be for the big wigs at the top of Warner or Universal. And everybody should be able to build their real estate portfolio in music. And that's their music catalog. Anyways, I just wanted to bring that up because you're in real estate. We talked about yeah. it. I didn't I want to fake it. the conversation I and rehashing it. Just, talking yeah, talking you,
1: man it's like you're definitely inspiration for sure. So keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you
0: for sure. I'm just a I'm just a messenger girl. <laughs> there there's just there's so much money out there, and I'm like the I'm like the yeah. the hype guy. It's like hey, go collect, please, please. Yeah. Anyways, let's let's listen to your track um, again. I'm so stoked that you joined. Uh, we should chat more. You're great. Um, so let's listen to the track that just landed, Um, and it is called, let me pull this up. It's called think of me. We're going to listen to this track and then uh, we'll start wrapping it up. All right. All right. All right. This is think of me. amazing i loved it how uh <laughs> how long did it take you to make that that was great uh probably
1: like a week well that's awesome I should probably compose it in one night but the mixing ten it always takes a little longer for me
0: because i gotta come back to it that's that's been me too mix always always takes a while it's like the actual writing and production that's not an issue but mix i just like it's so a lot of times at this point i'm just sending it off i'm just like please someone else mix this because i'm going crazy
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure i noticed that myself like i I gravitate always gravitated towards slad songs and minor keys Mm. yeah um so i found myself like i don't know i I, it's great that I found a place where that actually works.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, I, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> well, Courtney, um, two questions that I ask, um, before, uh, we wrap up our interview. Um, one thing, if, if you could tell someone who's pursuing music, pursuing their career, pursuing anything in life, what's one piece of advice that you would give them? And then, Uh, Is there anywhere people can find you online? Uh, You got any pluggables, stuff like that, throw it in there.
1: Okay, wow. Okay, so I guess the advice that I would give anybody is to really just remember to show up for yourself. Um, And I I have to tell myself that on a regular basis, but also really just to enjoy whatever it is that you want to do in that moment. Like if you're like, today is not the day to create. It's okay. But the next day, you know, you have that goal and intention, set your intention and show it for yourself. It. Um, yeah. And then you can find me at CourtneyHesse.com. My name is spelt without a U. <laughs> so C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-H-E-S-S-E.com. Um, I do have an EP I just released a month ago called The Sound of Deliverance. So go check it out.
0: Amazing. Courtney, you're the best. Thank you so All much right. for your time today. Uh and cool, And we'll wrap it up.